to CIBC Mellon Industry Perspectives, a podcast series that brings you developments in the Canadian securities industry and potential impacts facing CIBC Mellon clients and institutional investors active in the Canadian market. I'm Trish Roberts, Assistant Vice President, Relationship Management at CIBC Mellon, and I'm pleased to be your moderator for this episode. I'm going to open by noting that I am personally speaking to you from the traditional land of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. CIBC Mellon recently hosted an event featuring senior Indigenous market stakeholders and non-Indigenous institutional investors. The event featured three experts, Mark Sylvester of National Aboriginal Trust Officers Association, Jamie Lickers, Vice President, Indigenous Market at CIBC, and Andrew Hoffman is Vice President, Portfolio Manager at Leith Wheeler Investment Council. We came together for learning, engagement, and opportunity explorations with a specific focus on Indigenous institutions in Canada. It was a fascinating discussion. Together with my colleague, Lavina Yip, we are going to review some of the highlights of that discussion and the implications for non-Indigenous investors looking to learn more about how they can better incorporate and engage with Indigenous perspectives and stakeholders, informed by the principles of truth and reconciliation. I will join my colleague, Neilan Palmer, for our second podcast featuring highlights of our discussion focused on actions and opportunities for Indigenous investors as they engage with global and Canadian capital markets to pursue stronger outcomes for their stakeholders. Let's get started. Lavina, you've had a chance to listen to our discussion with Mark and Jamie and Andrew. What were some of your insights? I think the truth and reconciliation lead to significant changes in the way Canadians understand their own history. For non-Indigenous investors may want to understand what has really happened. I think some of the best way for us now is to listen, keep learning, and do our research on the past and their culture. There are so many good information and courses out there now. For myself, I have recently completed the Indigenous Canada course from the University of Alberta. It is a path to learning, also a path to connect with Indigenous people. And what were some of the items that really stuck out in your mind? I think the key is to take action. Uh, Read over the call to action 92, really take the time to educate ourselves. And I think with institutional efforts can lead to meaningful dialogue and improve the relationship between Indigenous people and non-Indigenous organizations. Now we're going to hear from Mark Sylvester, and he's going to talk about the role of non-Indigenous investors. Well, good morning, and thank you uh, for having me. I appreciate the uh, the opportunity. I'm coming to you from the Haudenosaunee lands of the Six Nations of the Grand River First Nation. And a lot of the comments I'll have today will be mostly regarding the work I've done with the Reconciliation Responsible Investment Initiative, which is our partnership between NATOA and SHARE Canada, where we are looking to help Indigenous communities uh, connect their traditional and cultural values with their investment policy and utilize the the voice that they have as shareholders. Uh, But we're also helping Canadians who are looking to uh, do more with their portfolios in terms of incorporating reconciliation And that's where we see a lot of uh, help with the Canadian economy, with the uh, Indigenous economy as well. One of the bases for our work is the uh, Truth and Reconciliation's Call to Action 92. It's a call to action where it specifically 
reaches out to the corporate Canadian world and saying, you know, here's a role for you in reconciliation with Indigenous people. Looking at business to adopt or, or understand the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples as a, as a reconciliation framework, and it has three prongs in, in this call to action. Firstly is, is if you're in a company that has engagement with Indigenous community, do that openly with free prior and informed consent. Your consultation is incredibly important because of the importance of the environment and the lands that uh, Indigenous peoples live on within Canada. Uh, the second part of it is for companies to uh, recruit and retain uh, and provide opportunity for Indigenous peoples uh, within their organization. So when you hear calls for diversity and inclusion, I think this is where this, this plays a big role in. And thirdly, there's a call to ensure that companies proactively go out and um, provide education to their uh, workforce in terms of the history of residential schools and of Indigenous peoples and show how the interconnection between your business and, and working with Indigenous peoples uh, can play a role. So it's an education component within that. And I think that when we as Indigenous investors, because, you know, as far as my role with the uh, the uh, the Credit Community Trust, and where I have the honor to have Jamie join me as one of my trustees, um, you know, we are investors. We are people with money in in the Canadian marketplace, and where we see uh, companies can do a, a better job uh, in terms of dealing with and working with Indigenous peoples, we see that as, as, a, as a company we want our money uh, to be involved with. And in those cases, we get, you know, obviously to work with investment managers like Andrew, uh, who, who proactively look out, look for those opportunities and help our communities invest in a, in a good way, in a way we can be proud of. You know, we, we say, you know, we'd like to generate revenue for our communities because we've got a lot of uh, opportunities and needs within our community that the money will be very helpful for. But we have to also understand that at what cost do we get those monies from and what benefit can we derive from utilizing our voices to help companies make sure they are operating in a good way. And I think um, the call to action 92 is a great roadmap for, for business. It's a great roadmap for, you know, everybody to take into consideration. You know, if you're in the investment world, look at the company. Do they have an Indigenous policy? What's their track record working with Indigenous peoples? What's their track record with hiring and retaining Indigenous peoples? Um, and, and you know, and at all levels within that organization, we've did put my colleague Shannon Rohan from SHARE and I put out a uh, a op-ed in the Globe and Mail in the spring calling for greater representation of Indigenous peoples on corporate boards. And it's not just the boards, it's the senior management and all levels of management throughout a, a company. So um, we are looking for those opportunities. We're happy to speak to those today. And I think with this panel, we'll have a, we'll have a great discussion. But I think that's where companies and Canadians can do their role in, in playing a, a role in, in reconciliation in Canada. Mark's words were very insightful and powerful, and I really appreciate his comments, specifically around education, uh, retention, and it's important, too, to recognize that we need to work harder into um, the hiring and staffing of Indigenous people on boards. So, Lavina, what did you pick up on that? I agree with you, Trish, and Mark's comment is exactly what we needed to hear. The information triggered new ideas that will definitely benefit corporations for years to come.
Next, we're going to hear from Jamie about how Indigenous clients value relationships and trust. Some examples of Indigenous institutions, investors, and Indigenous entrepreneurs. She offers some suggestions around where a non-Indigenous corporate Canada can and must learn. For example, when we say Indigenous cultures, she reminds us that it's not one single culture or history, but rather many nations with many histories. We are living in a time where we're seeing an unprecedented uh, transfer and growth of wealth in Indigenous communities across Canada. Um, and those are opportunities that exist both in, in the public, I'll say the public economy and the private economy, in that Indigenous nations themselves are generating unprecedented wealth, but also there is a huge private economy that's being led by individual Indigenous people across this country through private business um, investment. Uh, so, so there's a real opportunity here. And one of the things that I've, I've found in my years of, of servicing Indigenous clients, uh, both in the legal market and in the financial market, is that more than any other client segment, our Indigenous clients tend to be very relationship focused um, as opposed to transactional. And so the question isn't always about the best price or the best deal or the best returns. Um, Indigenous clients are, are looking for true partners in, in the visions that they have for their communities. And so it, it's fundamental that um, the non-Indigenous uh, sort of corporate Canada world really takes the time to, to learn and to understand the history of Indigenous peoples in Canada and to recognize that those histories are distinct both from our non-Indigenous history, but they're also distinct within Indigenous nations, right? There, there are so many nations across the country and we have to be very careful when we're developing relationships and we're learning about Indigenous history in Canada to recognize that their histories are not the same. Um, and that the needs of every client will be distinct in this space as it is in any other space. Um, and, and those are two really important things that, that I've found very helpful uh, to keep in mind as I service Indigenous clients um, across the country. And, and I think they really see the value in a true partner. I really valued what Jamie had to say around the history and that the history across Canada is not all the same. We really want to make sure that we value the partnerships that we're creating. So, Lavina, did you have anything you wanted to add on that? Yeah, I think the relationship is very valuable for both Indigenous people and non-Indigenous investors. Relationship is always important. Um, it, for us, it really takes the time to dive in and keep learning about their culture and history. Now I'd like to introduce Andrew Hoffman, who has words for anyone who is concerned about waiting and how we all need to do and try our best. His practical and powerful advice also includes a great story about the importance of education, both in corporate settings and for Indigenous youth looking to build careers in financial services. Let's listen. When it comes to educating your employees about the histories of uh, Indigenous peoples in this country, um, especially in regards to residential schools and the history there, 
you know, I think a lot of individuals would have a tough time with that and uh, bringing those educations, those learnings to their staff. But just a little example of our experience at Leith Wheeler, um, it was a fantastic or it has been a fantastic uh, experience for us. Um, we had an individual come in and speak to the history of residential schools several years prior to the news breaking about the uh, what happened in Kamloops and some other residential schools that we found out about so far. And the experience was incredible. After the individual spoke, uh, several staff members went up to this individual and apologized for uh, for what happened. And what we found very interesting about that is the individuals that were coming up and speaking to the speaker afterwards, they are people that have moved here from other countries, other cultures. And um, so they haven't had that, um, that experience, that background, that understanding. And uh, it was quite an impactful uh, and has been, will continue to be quite an impactful part of uh, our reconciliation and, and our movement in that direction. We had a similar event at CIBC Mellon. Our Employee Diversity Committee organized an educational opportunity for our team that included an Indigenous speaker sharing perspectives on Indigenous ways of knowing, the history of residential schools, and more. It was extremely powerful and at times painful, but we got incredible positive feedback from our employees. They definitely wanted more candid and open conversations like that. Yeah, after the session, I definitely realized how little that I know and definitely had the appetite to keep on learning, searching more into internet and podcasts to learn about Indigenous history. There's lots more for us to dig into it. Next, we'll hear from Jamie as she talks more about education and her personal passion for Indigenous recruitment. Yeah, you know, Indigenous recruitment is, is something I'm, I'm truly passionate about and uh, I think we all need to be passionate about it. And there are just a couple of things that I would caution, first of all, which is something I, I bring a bit of personal experience with. You know, when I, when I went to law school, and Andrew's right, we have so many uh, talented Indigenous lawyers in this country right now, which is fantastic. It, that was not the case 20 or 30 years ago. But now I make the joke that you can't swing a stick without hitting an Indigenous lawyer, which is fantastic. Like, I say that with great pride. Um, and that's because there was a lot of effort um, and awareness put into the need to have Indigenous lawyers, given the importance that the legal system and legislation plays in the opportunities for Indigenous communities generally. And so there's a lot of effort put into um, funneling Indigenous students in that direction. And, and as Andrew said, we haven't seen that same um, commitment or acknowledgement in the financial space. But when I went to law school, um, because I was Indigenous and in law school, there was an assumption that was made, and this it wasn't that long ago, I'm not that old, um, but both my, some of my classmates, as well as some of, some of my faculty assumed that because I was Indigenous, I would practice Indigenous law. And, and I found that assumption to be um, offensive at its core and, and really underpinned by this idea that, um, that I couldn't, as an Indigenous person, possibly want to do anything else. It, it wasn't conceivable that I would want to be a tax lawyer on Bay Street or a corporate commercial litigator for a national law firm. Um, and also there, the underlying assumption in, embedded in, in that is that practicing Indigenous law is somehow easier, not as technical as other areas of the law. Um, and that's exactly what 
I wanted to do. I wanted to be a corporate commercial litigator on Bay Street, and that's exactly what I did after law school for a few years. And then, and then I came to this uh, realization that my my education and training was probably uh, better suited to helping our people across the country advance their legal rights. So in the end, uh, they were right, or I was right, or I came to that realization um, on my own. But when we're recruiting Indigenous people into our mainstream institutions, um, obviously I work for a mainstream institution now and I practice law at a mainstream law firm, not, not an Indigenous law boutique. But it's really important that we're presenting those candidates with opportunities to work anywhere in our organizations, right? Just because someone is Indigenous, I don't assume that they want to work on our Indigenous markets team. I, I don't assume that they want to work on our Indigenous trust services team. It's great if they do, and I would love to have them, but I would also love to see investment bankers and commercial relationship managers and people in our HR department, our legal department. I mean, we have every job you can imagine at CIBC, and I want to see Indigenous people in every line of business, in, in every unit, because that, that is what real reconciliation looks like. It's, you know, your skills are not limited to servicing Indigenous clients in the Indigenous market space. At CIBC Mellon, we see this as an opportunity. We hire a lot of early career talent, a lot of young people getting their start in careers in financial services at CIBC Mellon. So we want to raise our profile as an employer of choice to seek out Indigenous youth who want to build a career in financial services. For any youth or Indigenous community leaders listening, please check out www.cibcmellon.com slash careers. All right, let's hear from Jamie. This panel is a perfect demonstration of, of the different roles that various institutions can play in advancing Indigenous economic interests and, and thus advancing our economic interests as a whole, as a country, right? Is we have we have Mark who's dedicated his 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 life and, and his professional time to um, organizations that that really focus on incorporating Indigenous objectives into investment, into trust management. And then you have Andrew who works for a massive investment management firm that invests assets for all sorts of investors, including Indigenous investors. And, and, and I'm here from the bank, which of course is a, is a non-Indigenous institution that services clients generally, but, but the incorporation of Indigenous voices into this institution is important because that's what, that's what creates choice for our clients that's what allows their views and their voices and their values to be represented in, in every organization that they might come to rely on. And that's so important. Next, we're going to hear from Mark on roles for non-Indigenous organizations. He gives a great example about the recent shareholder resolution at TMX. The, the, the biggest example I can show is the recent uh, TMX vote uh, in the springtime. Uh, about inclusion and diversity of Indigenous peoples within their own organization. And one of the sponsors of um, our Reconciliation Responsible Investment Initiative, the Atkinson Foundation, actually brought forward that proposal uh, on behalf of Indigenous peoples. 
and we worked with the uh, the the CEO and and the board, um, and, and and you know it's an example of all we're talking about today. It's you know it's their response to call to action ninety two. It's a look at the the financial system in Canada. It's a look at you know the call to for diversity and inclusion uh, throughout the you know in, in this case a, a financial uh, organization and and they were looking at diversity and inclusion themselves and we put this in front of them to say you know we want you to do a report and this is you know on, on your employment and your training and your recruitment and your procurement uh, which help, helps indigenous peoples within the marketplace which helps the indigenous economy uh, and the Canadian economy overall and I think that kind of um, work on behalf of a non-Indigenous uh, organization um, helps overall um, with 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 everybody, and I think that that's a great example of how um, you know, and 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 the company itself initially was hesitant, but when we introduced them to the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Businesses Progressive Aboriginal Relations Program, and they saw that. Okay, these are the steps we needed to take in line with what was being requested of us. Um, yeah, we can do this. It's it's perfectly reasonable, and you know that program has has had many companies go through, and and show their support and for indigenous um, inclusion within their uh, within their organization. So, you know, great example for that. At the event, we close by asking each of the speakers to share their final thoughts. Let's listen. I think for a final thought, what I would say is if I was an organization listening to this panel, uh, whether I'd be an asset manager or, or an asset owner, and um, I was thinking, how are we going to adapt? How are we going to uh, make this part of our responsible investing initiative? Um, the message would be, don't think that you're behind the eight ball on this. Don't think that uh, everyone else is so far ahead of you. This is very new. Um, you're only going to be behind the crowd unless you choose to do nothing after this call. Um, read over Call to Action 92. Start by thinking what is what can we uh, put into bring into the fold right now. What difference can we make right now? And and just start start doing it. There's always going to be haters out there. There's always going to be um, either clients or organizations that are poking holes in what you're doing. Um, Try to do it. Uh, try to worry about what the content of it is and the effect that it's going to make and less about the marketing and just get going with something. You're not behind the curve at all. Let's hear from Mark. Yeah, well, first of all, I'd just like to thank Andrew and, and Jamie, you know, two really good friends that I've uh, had the pleasure of knowing over the years. And if not for, for you know, Natoa bringing people like that together, uh, Andrew introduced me to uh, Peter Chapman of Share a number of years ago. And if not for that, uh, introduction. We might not have had the Reconciliation Responsible Investment Initiative that I've been working on the last few years. So uh, it's all about uh, you know the the meeting of the people. Um, uh, if you go to reconciliationandinvestment.ca, we've got a bunch of resources you can check out uh, in terms of an, a, an investor guide for non-indigenous investors, an investor guide for indigenous investors are. Uh, indigenous fiduciary. We've done a report on the investment world and where they are in reconciliation in, in response to call to action 92. The other part I, w I wanted to mention is usually when we I do a presentation to a group of Canadians, I always talk about uh, 
you know, throw out a challenge to say when we do acknowledging the land, do you know whose traditional territory your home is built on? And it's not just an acknowledgement of the past of, okay, who was there? But it's an acknowledgement that somebody's ancestors took care of that land for you to be able to enjoy today because you were that seventh generation they were thinking about. And, and it's actually a call for you and an obligation on you now uh, for to think seven generations in the future to make sure that where you live, work and play uh, is maintained in a very positive manner uh, so that future generations can benefit from, from what you have the opportunity to benefit from. So I think we bring in on as part of that indigenous fiduciary that uh, that I mentioned earlier that Jamie and I bring uh, when we do our jobs each day and that we try to share with people um, along the way. So hopefully that, you know, we're not talking about something in the past. We're talking about, you know, what we do moving forward. As Andrew mentioned earlier, as we learn from uh, the discoveries in the summer in Kamloops, our, our presentations of investment managers were, were called from a, awareness to action so what do you do based on that moving forward so there's a lot of opportunity here and i hope that you know you take our our words and uh, reach out to us later i'll be open to having a discussion if anybody has any questions but if you go to reconciliation and investment.ca you can see a lot of the work that we've produced okay more from jamie yeah, I'll just echo both points that were made by Mark and Andrew. Uh, first of all, we all have a role to play in reconciliation, uh, regardless of, of where you are, who you are, what kind of work you do. I, I think, I hope that our words today have, have made it clear that there, there is room to incorporate Indigenous perspectives and Indigenous voices um, in all of the work that we do in, in non-Indigenous institutions, in Indigenous institutions, in allied institutions, uh, th that voice needs to be represented everywhere. And, and so I hope you'll you'll really embrace that. So let's call it our own call to action, right? And, and do what you can to advance reconciliation. And, and you know, Andrew's right. Th these are issues that have developed over many, many decades. Um, they won't be solved overnight. What we, the only thing we can solve overnight is, Again, taking that awareness, as, as Mark said, and turning it into action. That's that's step one. And it's the most important step. Um, and it's not going to change things instantly, but we, we all have to keep up the good work. Thank you for your time today to learn with us. I certainly have learned quite a bit in today's session. We are indeed living in a time of change and opportunity for the public market and the private market for Indigenous and non-Indigenous investor. Like Trish, it has been great to speak to you today from the traditional land of the Mississauga of the Credit First Nation. Having the framework of the Truth and Reconciliation Call to Action 92 to work from gives us a clear foundation and direction for how to engage thoughtfully and appropriately. That was my key insight. Agree. We are learning a lot and we know we have much more to learn. Be sure to check out our companion episode about implications for Indigenous investors. It was a great discussion, so thank you for joining us today. And thanks for listening to CIBC Mellon Industry Perspectives. For more information, including CIBC Mellon's latest knowledge leadership on issues relevant to institutional investors active in Canada, please visit CIBCMellon.com. Mm -hmm.